Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Tonight, it is True Crime Night number five. Join me as we track Chevy Kehoe from Tilly, Arkansas to Wilmington, Ohio and beyond. All that and more on Small Town Secrets. Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, episode five of season five 
5.05 of the show. And as always, middle of the season, fifth episode is uh, dedicated, well, not I guess not wholly dedicated, uh, True Crime Night. And uh, tonight, um, things will be slightly different. Instead of taking two towns and telling two different stories, uh, we're going to take two towns and tell one story that involves both of them. Kind of did this before. I remember we did an episode in season two, I believe, where I talked about uh, one town and then two stories from it about the shipwrecks around there. Uh, this is kind of the reverse of that. We're going to be talking about uh, Chevy Kehoe and a couple of other individuals involved with Chevy Kehoe and their crimes in Tilly, Arkansas, and then later in Wilmington, Ohio. Uh, we're going to be talking about a couple of, of just complete trash bags tonight. So we'll get into that here momentarily. But uh, first, I just want to welcome everyone. Not only is this the middle of the season, but it is the first episode of the new year. Uh, so thank you for joining. Uh, thank you for listening. I really don't have like a big intro or anything today. So I think uh, I'll just get into it. So here in a little bit, we'll be talking about Tilly, Arkansas and Chevy Kehoe part one. Ted Bundy murdered my dad's friend's sister in 1974 while on his reign of terror in Utah. At least, Bundy admitted to killing her just before his execution, but police were never able to locate her body. That's the topic of just one episode on Straight Up Enigmas, a podcast to explore the unexplained. Spine-tingling supernatural stories, historical mysteries, and true criminal cases are all things to expect when you tune in to our show. We discuss the mysterious deaths of the Jameson family, share terrifying true stories from real people about sleep paralysis, and explore Cleopatra's missing tomb. I'm Jaden McKell, and I'm the host of Straight Up Enigmas. Our bite-sized bi-weekly episodes focus on the world's strangest mysteries, sacred and sonic geometry, the murder of Karen Silkwood, Turkmenistan's door to hell, the curse of the omen, and much more. Listen and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you find podcasts. Tilly, Arkansas is a tiny, unincorporated community in Pope County. Sadly, this tiny town is known for just one thing. The murder of the Mueller family at the hands of Chevy Kehoe and Daniel Lewis Lee. Chevy Kehoe, and yes, he is named after Chevrolet. Spelled differently, but he is named after a car company. Is the oldest of eight sons to Kirby and Gloria Kehoe. He was born on January 29, 1973 in Orange Park, Florida. In 1985, the family moved to Deep Lake, Washington. And in 1998, he was pulled out of school, where he was actually an honor student at the time, by his parents to be homeschooled. Chevy was then raised in a world of white supremacy and anti-government rhetoric. As he grew older, he attempted to form what he called the Aryan People's Republic, or the APR for short, an anti-government militia. The group's purpose, of 
course, was to try and overthrow the government. Daniel Lee was born in Yukon, Oklahoma on January 30th, 1973. And I find it uh, kind of interesting that their birthdays are only two days apart. Born in the same year, two days apart. When he was 17, he got into an altercation with a man named Joe Walvra. Lee knocked him unconscious and then, along with his cousin, stuffed his body down a sewer pipe. Lee took uh, some of Wavra's belongings, including a knife, in which Lee's cousin, John Patton, stabbed Wavra to death. Lee pleaded guilty to robbery, and the uh, murder charges were taken off of him and essentially all piled onto his cousin. So he kind of weaseled out of that one pretty easily. Uh, but, you know, I just wanted to give you a little background about who these guys were when they were younger. But Lee would meet Kehoe in 1995 and would soon join up into the APR. On the night of January 13th, 1996, William Mueller, an avid gun collector and dealer, his wife Nancy, and Nancy's daughter, so it was like it was like his stepdaughter, uh, six-year-old Sarah, were ambushed by two men. These two men were Kehoe and Lee, dressed as FBI agents. They had come to rob Mueller of money and guns, of which they found plenty. Mueller had been robbed a year earlier, and he didn't know it, but the earlier robbery was also done by Kehoe. After the robbery, Kehoe and Lee tortured the entire family before suffocating them all with plastic bags. Days later, Nancy's mother reported the family missing. The investigation turned up very little. The family was often out of town attending gun shows, and so people were used to them not being around. Eventually, though, William's Jeep and a trailer hooked to the Jeep were found off Arkansas State Highway 7, but after that, the trail went cold for some time. Months later, a couple on a fishing trip in Russellville, Arkansas, some 40 miles south of Tilly, would discover the remains of six-year-old Sarah. The remains of William and Nancy would be found later in a wider police search. Blue paint was found on the bodies. These paint chips were sent to the FBI labs, where they were matched uh, by the FBI to a GM, a General Motors vehicle, a Chevy. The ATF would go on to recover a handgun case with a serial number, but no gun, while searching the Mueller's home. They tracked the gun to a Travis Brake in Seattle, Washington, who had gotten it at a gun show by a man calling himself Keith Collins. Keith Collins was actually Kirby Kehoe, Chevy Kehoe's father, who had gotten in trouble who knows how many times for shady gun dealings. Eleven months later, another man was arrested for having an AR-15, also from Mueller's collection. He had traded for this rifle at a hotel in Washington with Chevy Kehoe. And so, yeah, just a, a couple of grade-A, just fucking dirt, dirt bags right off the bat. Um, the Mueller's were also a Jewish family. You know, uh, depending on what you 
read or watch, uh, they might say that that the family was murdered because uh, they wouldn't cooperate. But I have a feeling that they were, you know, them being Jewish. I don't think uh, Keo had plans for them remaining alive anyway, especially after he had already robbed them once. So as you can see, like, I really didn't get into it, but yeah, Lee had some troubles early on with, uh, he didn't kill the guy, but he gave his cousin the knife with him. So, and, and Kehoe was involved in, you know, uh, a suspected murder in Idaho, you know, another suspected murder somewhere else, and just burglaries all throughout his life, all culminating to this point. And as you'll come to find out later, this is all essentially racketeering. This was supposed to be the beginning of his master plan to overthrow the government to get his, you know, group up and running. And uh, he needed money, he needed guns, and this is how he was going about getting it. Racketeering, basically, which in the end is really what he mostly got charged with because it allowed them to kind of group everything together and really present every single piece of evidence uh, to nail his ass to the wall. But after that, the trail would go pretty cold until a shootout in Wilmington, Ohio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Wilmington, Ohio is the county seat of Clinton County, with a population of 12,520. It's located an hour from Dayton in one direction and an hour away from Cincinnati in another. 
It's known for its annual banana split festival. Uh, and I used to live there, and I never actually made it to the banana split festival. I only lived there for like a year. Uh, but on February 15th, 1997, a routine pullover would make Wilmington the beginning of the end of Chevy Kehoe. At 1.32 p.m., Ohio State Patrol Officer Harold Harker pulled over a blue Chevy SUV. He noticed it driving almost suspiciously slow by him, as well as both passengers acting strangely. After he successfully pulled them over, he ran their plates and found them to be expired. After talking to the driver, who would turn out to be Chevy Kehoe, he noticed the man's mannerisms and just the way he dressed and his crew cut hair. Uh, he knew something was up. He got a very, well, he got a very militia-like vibe from both of these guys. So he had Keo step out of the truck and follow him over to his cruiser. It was at this moment that fellow officer Robert Gates drove by and stopped to observe. Everything seemed fine until Officer Hawker went to frisk Kehoe. Kehoe backed away, yelling, I feel violated. It was at this moment that Chevy ran for the driver's side door, and the other and the officers uh, ran after him and tried to get him away from the car. So it was also at this moment that the passenger, who was uh, Chevy's brother, Shane Kehoe, jumped from the car and opened fire. The officers returned fire and hit Shane, but he was wearing a bulletproof vest. After getting off multiple rounds, Shane ran off into a forested area and disappeared. He actually was chased, I believe, by Roberts, but Roberts backed off because he's like, I'm not going in like a forested area. It's too big of an ambush situation. So he decided not to pursue him any further. Shortly thereafter, Chevy and the SUV were spotted hiding at nearby Clinton Electrical and Plumbing Supply. Wilmington Police Officer Robert Martin, I believe his name is Robert, my, my notes are a little scribbly, it may not be Robert. Robert Martin approached the car. He radioed for backup and was met by Chevy Kehoe brandishing an AR-15 and another shootout occurred and this time a bystander was hit. Chevy was able to also escape into the woods. And so now they've got, he's gone, his brother's gone. They at least have the blue, blue Chevy. And they also took paint samples from the SUV and sent them to the FBI. And those didn't match the paint chips they found on the Mueller's either. I just want to point that out because eventually they do find the correct blue paint. A massive manhunt ensued. It was eventually reported that the brothers had been spotted at nearby Caesars Creek State Park. They were with a family in an RV. However, it would seem that authorities would always be just one step behind this RV. A stolen car with a receipt for gas signed by Chevy Kehoe would be found in Indianapolis sometime later but no sign of the RV. Later in Arizona, a police officer would happen upon an RV that matched the description of Kehoe's. The officer called in SWAT, who surrounded and then infiltrated the RV. 
only to find it was the wrong RV. And they really thought they had it there because it, it matched the description, it was the same type. Uh, all of the, the shades in the windows were drawn. It didn't have plates on it. And uh, just turned out there was just a couple, like an old couple in the RV when they, when they got in there and found out who was actually in the RV. The actual RV would be found months after the shootout abandoned near Casper, Wyoming with guns, ammo, and bomb-making supplies inside. So, of course, when they found this one, they found, you know, they found some, like, metal piping. They found, you know, they found bomb-making supplies. So, of course, Bomb Squad had to be called in. Uh, they had to evacuate, like, all the town, like, all the businesses and homes around the area. But it turned out, I don't think there was any actual, there was explosives and supplies in there, but there wasn't an actual form built uh, explosive device inside the RV. Once again, the trail went cold until June 6th, when Shane Keogh would turn himself in. He would let authorities in on what happened in the past several months. The brothers had gotten a hold of their families who had come to get them in the RV. So I don't know if it's supposed to be some sort of cover. I'm assuming that's what it was. Like, hey, we'll bring this RV. They'll never suspect that, you know, we'll just, we're now we're just a family with an RV. And they had made it to Utah where they lived on the Levitt Ranch, helping out the owners of the ranch with like odd jobs and stuff like that. But over time, tensions between the brothers caused Shane to take his family and leave, going back to Washington. So at the time, Shane was driving Chevy's old truck. Uh, the truck was painted white, but had originally been blue. And so, when they, uh, when the FBI sent that blue paint off to be analyzed, it would turn out that that paint is what would match the paint found on the Mueller's. Chevy was still on the ranch, but it would not be easy to approach said ranch due to its wide open spaces. Uh, it's Utah, it's a ranch, like they're gonna see it coming from a mile away. Instead, the FBI and the ATF got the help of the ranch's owner, Mr. Levitt. Levitt agreed and told them that they would be driving in the town to get feed later that day. The officers, the agents, only had two hours to set everything up. Agents were quickly dispatched and set up along the route from the ranch to the feed store. Tensions were raised when Kehoe made an unplanned stop, but he only stopped to get a pop. Uh, so they kind of thought, oh no, I think he might be on to us. They actually had a guy where he stopped who was like, do, you, do I have to do something? Do, do I take him now? Like, you know, da 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 da. But he just went in, got a pop, got back on the truck, and kept going. When Levitt and Kehoe arrived at the feed store, the agents quickly took Chevy Kehoe into custody before he could react. He would be arrested on June 17, 1997. Uh, Levitt would also help the ATF agents take Kehoe's wife into custody as well. In the end, Chevy was charged with racketeering, murder, and robbery, and got three consecutive life sentences. His brother Shane was given 24 years 
for his role in the shootout. And let's not forget Daniel Lee, who eventually would be caught for his role in the murders of the Mueller's. He would be given a death sentence and would be executed after years on death row on July 14th of 2020. And it was a big kind of rigmarole. They, you know, they kept staying the execution. They kept putting it off. And uh, really, really near the end of it, uh, the Mueller family wanted them to delay it a couple days more because they were not going to be able to get to... I'm not sure where he was. I think he was actually held in Indiana. Uh, not going to be able to get there because of COVID who witnessed the execution. But eventually, like, Indiana was like, hey, that's we don't have to do that. We need, you know, we're going to carry this out. So it, it, he was on death row for, like, 23 years before he was executed just last year. And uh, there you go. That's really, that is the story of Chevy Kehoe. Uh, I, I wanted to do it because, like I said, I used to live in Wilmington. And I was trying, I was getting on Google Maps while I was researching this, trying to find match up the police tape of the of the of the uh the traffic stop because i always thought like where i lived in wilmington i always thought like i think i drive by that place like twice a day when i would go to work but uh looking at it and then finding where the the electric the plumbing the electric and supply plumbing company was and matching up signs and stuff i don't think it's where i thought it was i still haven't pinned it down but i'm gonna try and if i find it, i'll take a screen cap and i'll post it on, on social media and stuff, so everyone can see it. And there's a couple of other tidbits about this. One, like, I'm going to post uh, a video of the traffic stop in the show notes, but if you've ever watched any of those, like, top ten wildest police chase thing video shows, Fox used to do them, like, all the time. Uh, you've seen it. You, I guarantee, like, everyone has probably, probably seen some of it, but I'll put it on. There's a, there's a couple of YouTube videos of it. I'll put one in the show notes so everyone can go and take a look at it. But also, so, like, later, Shane Kehoe and the manager at the hotel or the motel, I'm not sure which one, of where he traded that one gun, uh, have, have said that Chevy knew Timothy McVeigh and had some sort of hand in the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, nothing's ever been proven. No real details, I think, have come out. But uh, two people are are kind of accusing him of having something to do with the Oklahoma City bombing. And another weird tidbit, and take this one with a grain of salt because I only found it on Wikipedia, which can be a great resource, but when I find something that I can only find on the Wikipedia article, then I, I am a little weary of it. But apparently, and if anyone can like send me something that verifies this, please do. A family friend, like back when they when they moved to Washington, they were friends with uh, noted serial killer Israel Keys. Uh, but once again. I don't know. It seems that seems kind of up there, but maybe. And if I find something out about it, I'll let everyone know. But that is the story of of Chevy Keo and his brother, and uh, just stupid fucking people all around. Uh, don't remember them. Remember the victims. Remember the Mueller's. 
remember John Wavra, remember those people. And I think that's what I'll leave you with at the end of this story. But uh, here we are. We are at the middle of episode five. So I'm going to throw some music in here, take a little break. Uh, my plan is to have a new track for the next episode, just with going back to work and then the holidays hitting like right after that. I just haven't really had a lot of time to sit down and grab the old MIDI keyboard or grab the guitar and work something new out. But I'm hoping to have like a new intermission track out next episode and a new like backing music, maybe a couple of them out by then too. So here's a little bit of intermission. I'll be back in a little bit with the local headlines. It was a little bit thin on the news side this episode, just because everything was like, you know, top 20 ghost stories of 2020, top 20 weird stories of 2020. It was all just like list of story. You know, everyone was like, I'm not going to report on anything new. We're just going to dig up everything. Uh, but, but I did find a couple. This first one from coasttocoast.com. Uh, no one is... Uh, you know, credited on it, but I'm going to assume it was Tim Banal unless he was taking the week off and they had someone else do it. But uh, the headline reads, Australian realtor photographs ghosts. An Australian man was taken aback when he saw a photograph of his late father's home and spotted what just might be the ghost of his dad looking out from the kitchen window. Sharing the image on the Facebook group 
Australian Paranormal, of which there is a link in the article. Taylor Thornton explained that when my pop passed away, we had to sell his house in Port Victoria and that a buyer had recently been found. In celebration of the successful sale, his realtor sent his mother a pair of pictures proudly displaying the sold sign in the front of the home and, to their astonishment, something rather eerie in the background. In one of the photos, what appears to be a person can be seen at the kitchen window of the home, although there was nobody inside the residence at the time. Given that Thornton's father had recently passed away, this understandably has fueled speculation that perhaps the potential apparition in the window was his dearly departed dad. Adding another intriguing layer to this tale is that, according to Thornton, his father built and lived in the house for around 25 years, suggesting that the man had a significant connection with the home. As is often the case with possible ghost photos, opinions online regarding the image were largely divided among those who thought that the anomaly is the spirit of Thornton's father and others who cannot quite see the oddity in the window, and more skeptical observers who offered prosaic explanations for the strange picture, such as that maybe it was a squatter lurking in the residence. With that in mind, what camp do you fall into? And I will link it. There is a picture. You can see that there is something in the window. And the other weird thing about it is it appears, I don't think the window is open, but it is uh, the only window where the screen has been moved, like outward away from the window. And, and I, don't, I don't buy the squatter explanation. Like, the thing was just sold. I feel like they would know if someone was in there or not. But uh, this next one, this next one is from the Grimsbury Telegraph uh, in the UK. It is written by Jamie Waller, a mystery over a trail of four-toed footprints that appeared on a car overnight. A woman has been left baffled after finding a trail of footprints on her car that didn't quite look human. Alicia Smith of Scartho found the odd marks on her vehicle on Thursday morning. A set of six footprints can clearly be seen walking over the car's roof. Over the windshield and the car's roof, I'm sorry. They are only a few inches long and appear to have just four toes, sparking speculation of what might have made them. Alicia and her partner were stunned when they saw them. They shared the bizarre pictures in the hope that someone can suggest what they were. We've never seen anything like this before. It's very odd, she said. Uh, they're a strange shape and only have four toes and don't quite look human. I'm not sure if it was a child. And why would someone be barefoot in this weather? The car was parked outside all night, so whatever did it must have been just outside. We didn't hear or see anything. It was 10.30 a.m. when we came out and spotted the footprints. We had no idea what made them, and we wanted to see if anyone else had anything similar. We really wanted to hear people's suggestions on what they might be. The trail starts near the corner of the driver's side door and progresses up the windscreen, and then they go over across the roof and disappear. Whatever made them must have had cold feet, judging by a layer of frosting coating the car. There's no trace of a fifth toe on either of the feet, although the maker might have been walking awkwardly due to the temperature. 
let us know what you think of the footprints. Uh, yeah, they are kind of intriguing pictures because you see, you see four toes, you see the foot, and it looks like, you know, body heat has melted the frost around it. But then there's like, like I don't know, just a leather layer of frost. I don't know. It just looks. They look weird. You, you would expect them to just kind of be uh, melted off of the frost, and you would see the toes. But there's like two layers of frost there. And I don't know. Four toes. They're tiny. Could be a kid. But like once again, why? Why would you do that? And they're walking over like the windshield. Like you know, you would you would run the gambit of really just like cracking that windshield or breaking it. Just literally walking over it. Uh, take a look at the pictures. Links will be in the show notes. See what you think about it. And uh, this last one, bear with me because it's from, I think it's from China or somewhere around in there. But it is a, a cryptid sighting, so I wanted to do it. And this is from Mothership.sg. Uh, I'm not sure where SG's at. Uh, the headline reads, Spore Night Trigger claims he saw the Bukit Tuma Monkey Man. Uh, and this is written by, I'm going to try, ready? With uh, Zing Sheng. And uh, so this is, here we go. Some night trekking enthusiasts in Singapore, ah, Singapore, I forgot, yes, Singapore, are claiming that they have caught a glimpse of the fabled Bukit Tuma Monkey Man, also known as the BTEM, BTMM. According to urban legend and strictly within the realms of cryptozoology, the BTMM looks like a monkey but is bipedal. It is thought to be about one to two meters in height and lives in Bukit Tuma Nature Preserve. A post on the Night Raiders Facebook page on December 16th, 2020 mentioned that an equipment specialist caught sight of the BTMM. The specialist, Alfie, was out with a group of people at the nature reserve testing equipment that can be a, that can capture paranormal activity. The photos were supposedly taken in split seconds just as the BTMM was spotted under a big tree. The post only said the photos were taken sometime this year, aka last year. The exact venue, time, and date were not revealed. Alfie said that the BTMM is really huge. And judging by the picture, if the tree is big, it, yeah, it's a pretty big thing. However, at the end of the post, it was acknowledged that the existence of the BTMM remains unverified. Now, here's some background on it. Sightings of the BTMM have gone as far back as World War II, between 1942 and 1945. Japanese soldiers in Singapore have successfully seen the creature. In more recent times, people in Singapore not only saw the creature, but supposedly even made contact. One account, related by a taxi driver, recounted how a collision occurred between a taxi and the BTMM, resulting in the creature getting injured and running off and uh, yes there is a picture here of it it is I don't know it's weird I, I look at it and I just see matrix scene like it is by a very large tree I feel like it might just be bark from that tree because uh, it doesn't really look it, it looks bipedal it kind of has a big footy like face if you will but then it looks like it's wearing a cloak or something I really I don't know like first is very intriguing but the more you look at it the more you kind of go I think we're just matrixing something out of the background or uh, the trees in there but once again it's in the show notes for all of you to take a look at 
And that has been this week's local headlines, everybody. And to round out the show, I've got a couple of stories from Reddit, both of them about shadow people, which I thought was kind of uh, convenient. Found them very quickly. Uh, still working on some interviews. Now the holidays and stuff are over. I'm hoping that we can get those set in stone and get them scheduled for the later half of the season. But this first one is from a uh, username uh, Dead Dog Cheese, and uh, this is their shadow person story. This used to happen to me a couple of years ago. I just wanted to get it off my chest. We live in a decently small house, though it is creepy. We have a long, dark hallway that leads to mine, my mom, and my dad's bedroom. Each of our bedrooms are on the sides of the hallway, and at the end of the hallway is a bathroom. I usually use the bathroom quite frequently, but sometimes when my mom and dad are on the other side of the house, I'll see things in the corner of my eye in mom's room when I enter or exit the bathroom. Seems she, is, seems she always leaves the door open. This thing seems to uh, resemble a person, a tall figure. I can't really see it that good. As the light in my mom's room is always off, and I don't really want to turn on the light, the thing usually is far away when I see it in the corner of my eye, but the last time I saw it, a couple of weeks ago, it was a lot closer than usual. I sometimes see this thing inside of my room, next to the door, I can't see its outline, as some light can seep in through the cracks at the bottom of the door. One time, I could see it moving around because of the cracks of light. I turned on my light and it was gone. I know that it couldn't have been my parents because I can hear them talking across the house in the living room, laughing at something on TV. I don't know what the thing is, but maybe someone else has encountered this too. And uh, it really just does sound like the kind of classic shadow person uh, behavior. And the next story, uh, they wanted to remain anonymous, but they also had a shadow person type experience. Uh, I moved into this house when I was around 10 or 11. This house was built in the 1800s, and from the second I stepped foot in that house, I always had a really bad feeling. Both my parents and I have seen shadows walking down the hall heard footsteps and lots of things. None of the figures ever showed any aggression until one night. And after that night, none of them ever did, except the one. I've always been interested in the paranormal, but what happened has stayed with me to this day. I went out to feed our dogs one night, and it was after dark. Our basement was open to the outside, in the back, and as I went into the garage, I had the feeling something was watching me. Our dogs were eerily quiet, and when I turned around, I saw that there was someone in our basement. It freaked me out, but, fr but it freaked me out even more when this thing started running out of the basement at, it, at me. And it was just a shadow. It was completely black. There were no features on it. I was about to scream when this figure, I didn't even know what to call it, appeared and then just stepped in front of it. The figure was opposite of the shadow. It was a glowing white light and it had like an aura of gold. The shadow dissipated quickly and the figure turned and looked at me. And then it just like sped off. I stood there for a minute and took in everything that happened and then ran to the house. I still have no clue what those two figures were. I still, but I still continue seeing the ones 
in my house for years after. This still freaks me out to this day. Has anybody had anything like this happen to them? And so, if anyone out there does have shadow person encounters, especially ones similar to these, uh, send them into the show, and uh, we'll let the, you know. I'll, I'll share it with these guys as well on Reddit, so that maybe, maybe they could find someone else who also had those same experiences. But that has been this episode's edition of uh, Your Small Town Secrets, and that will do it for this fifth episode of this fifth season of the fifth True Crime Night. Uh, thanks everyone for checking it out and listening, and I'll leave you uh, with this: if you have, like I said, if you have a shadow person story or any type of experience or any type of story about your small town that you would like to share, there are a bunch of ways that you can get it to me. The easiest way is to head over to stscast.com, scroll down to the bottom of the main page. There's an email form to fill out, and uh, I'll get it, and we can figure it out. You can also reach me on social media. Uh, Twitter, I'm most active on. That is at stscast. Uh, Facebook is also at stscast. Uh, Instagram is at stscast.gram. And I am now also on TikTok. I've done very little on it, but that is also at stscast. Hopefully, when we go down the road, I'll be able to do something fun and creative with it. But it's on there if that's the way you want to go. But yeah, send me your story. Send me an article if you've got it. You could even record it yourself and send in your own file, and I can just slap it into the show. Or we could get you know, Skype or Zoom going and uh, do an interview or anything like that. Just let me know. If you would like to support the show, uh, if you want to throw some some uh, financial support at it, uh, best way to do it is Patreon, patreon.com slash stscast, or you can find it under the uh, support tab on the website. Uh, you can go there. There's a one level, a $1 level, $3 level, and $5 level that you can get uh, buttons and stickers and uh, like reviews of stuff and early access to stuff that I do, like YouTube videos and things like that. And of course, um, access to all the music, MP3s that you can download and listen to, and STS Backroads, the exclusive Patreon podcast, which we will be discussing next weekend, another true crime story about uh, Webb's Bait Farm. And that's all I'm going to say. Uh, it goes somewhere, and it may not go where you think it goes, but that is what we're going to be discussing on the next episode of Backroads. Uh, you can also find merch over at stscast.com, uh, T-shirts and hoodies and buttons and stickers and coffee mugs and phone cases and all of that uh, for your enjoyment. But also, if you can just leave a rating and or a review at your podcatcher of choice, especially iTunes, that helps the show out tremendously. And the other big thing, free thing that you can do, is just get just get a friend to also listen to the show. If everyone out there gets uh, someone else to listen, then the audience automatically is double what it was before. So that is what you can do. I thank you for doing whatever you can. I love doing it. I hope you love hearing it. I hope you had a safe and wonderful new year. 2020 is dead. Long live 2021. And hopefully it's a better year. Make it a better year. Do everything in your power for yourself and everyone around you to make 2021 just a little bit better 
than 2020 was. And uh, with that, I'll leave you. I'll be back. If you're on Patreon, I'll be back next weekend. And uh, if you're not, I will be back in a couple of weeks with a, a new episode. So until then, remember that every town has a secret. What is yours? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.